0: Welcome to another episode of From the Shed End podcast with myself, T-Dot. And as always, I'm joined by Theo. Um, Episodes, what episode are we on now? I always forget. 28. I want to
1: say, say 28, 28, yeah. Episode 28. Um, but how are you doing, Theo? How's how swings things? I'm good, good. It was good to be back at Stamford Bridge on Saturday. and get the three points after two defeats on the bounce. So um, back to winning ways. And otherwise than that, I'm going to move into my new flat next week, which I'm excited about as well. So busy, busy. Happy period. days busy period indeed yeah <laughs>
0: yeah definitely um as always guys if you're listening or watching on youtube you can follow us on our social social accounts on at from the shed end on twitter and instagram it's at from the shed end with underscores between each of the words if you search for us on youtube you can find us at from the shed end as well like subscribe comment interact with us as well we like all of that stuff but let, let's take it to saturday southampton Big game. Ended at top of the league before international break, which is good. Uh, Results going our way. But let's take it back. um, Back to back defeat before that. We spoke about that in a previous episode. But coming into this game, we did have that sort of enthusiasm again that we were going to win. So what was your thoughts on on the the sort of line up the game? Obviously being there as well. What was your thoughts on all of that?
1: It was a very wet day at, in London. <laughs> I think it was wet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got absolutely drenched and um, walking back from Stamford Bridge at the end of the game. But it was good. It was good. Honestly, a good way to get the three points after, um, you know, as I said, two defeats and the bounce. Um, it was a confidence booster as well. I felt because maybe, you know, when you have two defeats, you start to think, get a bit nervous. You start to think, you know, is this the right way, right approach to games? Is this the right way forward? But I felt, you know. Well, I think we'll touch on it later, with the referee didn't really do as many favours in the game. I felt VAR didn't until the red card, but I felt, you know, things could have been 2-0 at halftime and that would have been a really comfortable second half. But, you know, Premier League being Premier League, it wasn't that straightforward. But line-up, I thought it was good. good choice. I'm really pleased that Tuchel finally started Loftus cheek the first start of Loftus cheek under the, the Tuchel era. And it's well-deserved. Chiloba back in the team, and he did superbly at centre-back. And again, well-deserved. And then I kind of wanted to question the subs that he made, cool, mm. but they really paid off. So I can't really question them. You know, when I, when I saw Jorginho come on and even Barkley, I thought, we're looking for a goal here. How are you still going to get a goal? And then Jorginho wins us the the free kick that got um, Ward-Prowse sent off. Yeah, And then Barkley put in that pass that perfect. was, you know, perfect pass to Aspi, then assisted um, Werner. And if that's Pogba, Fernandez. Twitter would be going into you know going crazy. So it's just you have to praise Barkley for that pass as well. So fair play to Tuchel for getting those subs right and changing the game in the second half. But um but no, it was a, it was a good three points, you know, when you, you look at the scoreline three one, even though those two goals came quite late in the second half. I felt, you know, it was quite comfortable. Um I do wonder had we maybe got that second goal, had we had they we not been had they not been ten men. But um but no, quite a comfortable game, I wanna say. And um Three points and as you said, results went our went our way over the weekend with other games, you know, United, um, drawing to Everton, City and Liverpool drawing. So it was the perfect weekend to be a Chelsea fan.
0: Yeah, it was good. It was a good lineup. Um obviously Ben Shirwell was a for me was a surprise. I wasn't I wasn't sure if he was gonna start. Um obviously the form that Alonso's been in, it was um not that it was questionable. I think he you know, he had he had moments in the game where he did worry me. I mean, obviously we can talk about Livramento, Liv who at times had him on his toes, um, especially for the penalty. You know, it was a very good um, bit of skill from Livermento to, to get away from. Um, there was like a small touch just as he sort of takes the ball away from Chilwell. There's an additional touch, which mm-hmm. wrong foots Chilwell, mis- misjudges the whole sort of tackle completely. And it is a penalty, but um, apart from that, I think he played really well. And obviously he got a goal as well. I think he assisted the Chalibur goal from the corner. Which I thought was was a you know a brilliant goal, brilliant piece of um, set set piece play, really, because Chalobah's left unmarked at the back. I think it's Ward Prowse or yeah, it's Ward and Carl Walker Peters who are the, the nearest to him, and one of them out of the two should be, you know, as touch tight as as possible to Chalobah, and they just they just allow him that extra bit of space. I think it's Loftus cheeky kind of. Yeah, on, he, onto to it's like a Loftus Chandler. cheek
1: assist in the end, but from a Chilwell yeah. corner. But that yeah, Loftus yeah. cheek header just takes the ball to Chilwell, who's Yeah, great header yeah. actually.
0: But it was a brilliant header, brilliant goal. Glad that he's got another one under his belt as well. Um, in terms of, of Southampton, I do feel like they're lacking, um, you know, a Danny Ings, and you do worry about Southampton. I mean, I'm a Chelsea fan, out it doesn't really bother me, but I think in terms of the way that Southampton have done their recruitment over the years, you think about how many big names have had come through you know Chamberlain, Mane, um, Fiat Walcott, Gareth Bale was there at one point they've had a lot of players who've gone for big money and they haven't really recruited the best over the years so um, as a Southampton fan that must be worrying but I do think in terms of the way that Southampton started the game there was there was spells where I thought they might give us a bit of trouble obviously Nathan Redmond trying to play a bit more sort of a central forward role um, doesn't really help and I think you know with five at the back in terms of Aspie, uh, Chalibur, Silva, Rudiger and uh, Chilwell, it was just difficult for Southampton to, to break us down. And I think that was, you know, it was back to the, the Thomas Tuchel way that we know, you know, in terms mm. of being able to be solid at the back and having that sort of fluid, um, you know, the wing backs as well, being able to push forward when they need to, but dropping back as well. So I was impressed. And like you said, you know, Ruben Loftus-Cheek getting a start was, was something we've all, Probably been shouting for as Chelsea fans for a very long time. Um, so he put in a brilliant performance as well. But um, Timo Werner, let's talk about the goal that wasn't allowed. I think it was a foul from <laughs> Aspia Quetta on Carl Walker Peters. How is it a foul? What, it's so what ridiculous it a foul!
1: It's they they took it so far back that probably Maurizio Sarri was still our manager at the time. <laughs> it, was, it was honestly it was a joke, and they even showed it on the big on the screen at Stamford Bridge, and the Stamford Bridge started going crazy and. I don't know. At first, I thought maybe there was a handball in the penalty box or something like that, or a foul, you know, a push in the penalty box, something that maybe resulted in, you know, the player, you know, Werner being unmarked and scoring. But no, it was a foul that Azpi did. On I don't even think it was a foul to start off. It was very, very soft. And, um, you know, it was at least two, three minutes or, you know, at least a couple of plays before the actual goal. So it's just, that's when I think VAR is just, it's there to do it, but at the same time, you don't need it like that. You don't need it like that at all. It should be there to review kind of clear, you know, mistakes from the referee, whether that's a red card, whether that's goal light, you know, the ball crossing the line or not, whether that's um, a penalty, but just not something, a foul that was committed, you know, a couple of minutes before a goal or something that happened that didn't actually affect the play of the goal. And I don't even think Southampton fans complained, um, Southampton players were complaining to um, Atkinson. So it kind of goes to show that even they didn't really expect the goal to be ruled off. So, um, no, that was ridiculous. And then I think I put a tweet up at halftime fuming with VAR because it's just... I mean, we only 1-0 up and when you're 1-0 up at halftime, anything can happen in the second half. But 2-0 up, which in fair was a great header from Werner and he deserved yeah. that goal. So I'm glad he got that, that goal to make it 2-1 in uh, 80-something minutes. But um, but no, for me, that VAR decision was complete. You know, it was abysmal. It was terrible.
0: Yeah, it was it was shocking because I think you know, we've got to remember football is a, a contact sport. So there is going to be a point where, you know, you might put your 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 hand on a player's back or just make contact with the player, which is why it's called a contact sport. And I think I agree with you, you know, there's only so many stages you should be able to take the the um sort of decisions back to. And I think that was, you know, two or three stages of play have taken place mm, since Exactly. Then. At what point are we we're going to draw the line in the sand and say, well, hold on, that was a, a different um, part of play. We've now moved on from that. It just, mm. it just doesn't make sense to me. It wasn't even a foul anyway. So no. that's the more concerning thing that...
1: And I, I always foul. use this example. I always use this example, but FA Cup final, the yeah. handball on from Iose Perez that led to the yeah. Tillerman's goal. That was almost the play right before the assist, I think. So it's, if you're going to rule it back, you know, for three or four plays before the actual goal, where was yeah. that in the FA Cup final? Like, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense at all. It yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah, but- consistency. That There was some sort of, uh, well, I was going to say redemption. But yeah, there was definitely some justice, I suppose. I, for me personally, I think you mentioned it before. I don't think Ward-Prowse was a red, if I'm honest. Uh, I know he's coming from the back. I think Jorginho's made a meal of it, which has changed mm. the decision of the ref. I'm glad he got sent off. I mean, you know, 10 plays is better than 11. But I, I just think it was harsh. I do think it was harsh. I'll, I'll give them that. It was harsh. I I do think Jorginho did make a melee. It was almost like, you know, sniper in the crowd, shot, that kind of (laughs) fall in theatrics. But we don't know. I mean, he did come through from the back, which, you know, in football, they told you that you can't do that. You know, it's a a red card if you tackle from the back. So um, what was your thoughts? Did you think it was a red initially when you were there? Or did you think that was a mind-changed?
1: It's sucks so now that you mentioned i think if that happened if it was a chelsea fan committing that foul to a southampton a chelsea player committing that foul to a southampton player i'd be fuming thinking that's not a red but maybe mm-hmm. there's a bit of chelsea buys and the fact it changed the game that i will be or will say it's red and the ref did go to the screen and review it for a couple minutes so he did you know t- take time, time to actually took his time to look at it and review it and i think he did explain um that it it was the actual intent that it could have been very, very dangerous. That's why it was sent off. And as you said, sniper in the crowd type of reaction from Georginio. He was actually hurt, was he? He, yeah. he got up kind of very soon after, but he tried to make a meal out of it to maybe get Ward Prowse um, sent off. The one thing I will say, he got nothing of the ball, and you know, it's kind of a dangerous part of his foot, you know, pointing towards Georginio's ankle. So that's when you start to think, you know, slightly different, you know, a couple of centimeters up or a couple of centimeters yeah. below, and that could be, you know, a very, very bad challenge that could actually have Jorginho off on a stretcher. Yeah. So, um, but the one thing I wanted to ask you, place, actually, yeah. very dangerous, is yeah. I wanted to ask you a couple of times we've seen it over the last season and a half is Mendy's distribution. That's the one thing that I still feel like Kepper kind of trumps him on is, you know, playing from the back with his feet. Yeah. A few times we've seen it now where Mendy kind of, you know, tries to clear it or pass it and he kind of, you know, fumbles his pass and I think it was Porto Atletico in the Champions League last season but he redeemed himself straight away over the save afterwards. But we saw it. he kind of, you know, plays Jorginho and, you know, a dangerous ball to it's Jorginho. Bad ball. Very bad ball. And I think, um, you know, Ward-Prowse obviously he sticks a foot out because he knows that if he wins that ball, he's in a one-on-one with the goal. So um, mm. it makes sense. But I still feel like Mendy needs to improve on his distribution if he wants to be kind of really counted as, you know, one of those top, top keepers in the world. Yeah.
0: If I had to pick out some crit- criticism of mm. Mendy, it's probably that that he hasn't yeah. got... He's not very good at distributing a block ball like you say um he's definitely not good at playing it out from the back because we've seen that on numerous occasions now as well um if we could mold Kepper and mendy together we would probably have the best goalkeeper in the world because there's parts of Kepper that I like there's definitely parts of mendy that I like but having the two of them together would be brilliant um it hasn't really troubled us as such but no it, it can yet. you know not yet but it can creep in and I think the more obviously that's the two core way of playing and the style of football that a lot of clubs play now in the Premier League is to play out from the back, so you have to be confident in that. You look at Edison, he's probably the best at doing that in terms of playing out from the back for city. He almost sometimes he's playing sweeper, he's playing central defense because he's that good at it and he's he's good on his feet, so I think that's what separates as suppose a goalkeeper that can play out from the back is mm. someone like Edison who is brilliant at it um probably not the best goalkeeper in my opinion in the Premier League I'd still put Mendy ahead of him Um, but if we're talking about playing out from the back Edison's head and shoulders above him because Mm -hmm. he can actually do it better so it's a tough one I think Mendy is good I agree he's definitely got to get that sort of part of his game Mm -hmm. nailed down a bit more Um, especially now that we're seeing the, the best I think of Kepa as well it could only be a matter of time you know a slight injury that Keeps Mendy out, or um, I'm thinking of maybe African Cup of Nations. Would mm. he go in there as well?
1: Um, I think so. i still still wondering if that's going to be held in January, and if Senegal, because I know Zied is not part of the Moroccan team anymore. But yeah. I think I think Mendy will play a part of Senegal in January. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So if he does go, you know, Kepa comes in. You know, it's mm. a it's a if he plays well for that you know period of time that Mendy might be
1: away. Do you for, drop him after?
0: Mm. Do you yeah? Do you do you even bring him back into the team? Is he going to be warming the bench because Kepa's playing really well and as we 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 know keper can play out from the back we've we've mm. seen that as well so um it's gonna be interesting I think it'll be it'll be it's a good dilemma to have in a way you know I'd rather have two goalkeepers that are a relatively good quality but obviously you can only play one goalkeeper so it's good to have two it's a, it's a good headache to have, I suppose. Um, but I agree with you, you know, he's got, he's got to sort out his feet and his distribution is, he's thinking of doing things. It's got to be a little bit better as well. So, mm-hmm. um, hopefully that comes with time. I think that's just going to come with time practice. Um, you know, the, the sort of calmness, I suppose, of the center backs as well. Um, that sort of playing together all the time that might come, but we, we don't know. Um, but I just wanted to, mention as well because obviously we've we've watched the previous couple of games where we haven't really had shots on target and I think we had 20 shots in total, I think nine on target against mm. Southampton um, Lukaku was relatively quiet in terms of um, scoring obviously he didn't get on the score sheet but um, there was a, a an article, um, Antonio Conte had, had basically said that Thomas Tuchel isn't getting the best yeah. out of Lukaku at the moment, Would mm. you would you agree with that?
1: I think we saw what he's capable of doing in his first couple of games against Arsenal and even um, Champions League, you know, his heading ability against Zenit. But I think he, as you said, he has gone a bit quiet recently. And I do think that's maybe the football we play and the formation we play with Tuchel. And then maybe he hasn't really had many games yet with Mason Mount potentially, you know, who's maybe our most creative player. or Even Reese James, we know how good Reese James is with, you know, delivering the ball into the box. But um but yeah, I kind of do agree with Conte. I don't think we've seen the best of Lukaku yet. I'm ex- still expecting a 20 goal season from him. I think he's on. Um, how many goals is he on now? He's on. I want to say three or four. Three Premier League
0: goals. I think it's might be four Premier League four. goals,
1: or maybe two three. against two against Aston Villa, one against Arsenal. I think. Yeah. But um. Three. But yeah, yes, I, I think I saw you know with Vardy and um, Salah on six now. You are starting to think you know this is when the, you start to look at who's in the race for the golden um, the golden boots. But I do kind of agree with Comte, but at the same time, maybe he got so you know used to Italian football, and you know he did come relatively late in the transfer market to Chelsea, I think midway through August, something like that. so I think still think maybe he needs um needs a bit more time on the two quarter gel but i I still think you know once we have that kind of sport him that service, he'll be fantastic And oh, yeah. I, we saw glimpses of that you know getting in the Arsenal game when he was just bullying defenders, creating space where you know the wing backs and playing with his back-to-goal. But um, I do kind of want to see him a bit more on the ball as well. That's the one problem I think we, he's, he's yeah. kind of dealing with. But that's maybe almost a compliment to him that he's so good that he's just man-marked out of the game by like three or four defenders at times. time. I think it was against um, the Aventus game. As soon as he get the ball, I think the lead, Bonucci, and maybe another player will just surround them, all three of them together. So, um, but yeah, I think, you know, with the amount of games we have in October, in Norwich, but um, Brentford, Newcastle, those type of games... I'd expect him to score a couple of those.
0: Yeah. And it's going to be interesting because I think when he was at Inter, he he did play with the two up top, didn't he? He had a, a almost like a, a second strike partner in, a, is it Mar- Martinez? Baltaro no, um, Martinez,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. So I, I think maybe two core. Cool, obviously looking at when we played Man City, I did say it was the wrong game and I, st- I still agree with that. I think it was the wrong game to try and play two up top. But I think if he's got like a Timo Werner up front with him, we'll probably see the we'll see more of Lukaku and it's still early days. We're only seven games into the Premier League, mm-hmm. I say only, but it's still relatively early into a season. Um, but I do agree with you, you know, October, he's got to try and hit it. Well, October, and November, you know, those, those kind of key periods, he's got to hit the, the ground running, get a few goals. What he doesn't want to do is go for a period of games where he's not scoring, who's not playing well. Pressure starts to mount on him and, you know, he's you know he's coming with 97 million which is still a lot of money we know what he can do so I think it's probably even worse because we the expectation we have of him is to to play the Inter Milan sort of Lukaku or the you know the 20 goal a season Lukaku that's what we've we paid 97 million for so that pressure's going to be building on him as well but I'm confident he can do it I think we've you know we're not. I, I think especially when people non-chelsea fans think of Lukaku they think of the you know the man united west brom Lukaku everton Lukaku who was very, relatively young he's adapted his game when he went to serie a as well um you know he's he's definitely become a better player for it so i think we'll get the best out of him it's just early days like you said that link up with uh, mason mount as well i think that's going to be a key part it, mason mount being at the team we've noticed that already when he came on on uh, saturday mm. The difference in the squad was was already there. You could see the difference. I think the first touch of the ball, I can't remember what play it was, but he just sort of took the player out of the game a bit and just, you know, ran past it. It was just those little bits of play that he can do is what I think we've been missing.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, as I said, the game against Southampton, it was kind of one of the substitutions mount, Um Barkley and Jorginho they were fantastic when they came on and I do agree once we have that link up with uh, Mount and Lukaku I do think you will get that service those balls that he needs we saw it a couple of times I think in the, the Liverpool game at Anfield some good passes between I think Havertz, Lukaku and Mount mm. I do kind of think you know I do like the Verna lukaku um, you know front two I do think Werner's capable of taking defenders out of the game or creating space for Lukaku but um, I think it's just a nice choice for Tuchel to have, you know, that kind of dilemma, which kind of two players or three players to start up front. that we haven't even mentioned yet or Pulisic yet. So yeah. And even Hudson-Odoi, who had a very good game against Southampton, I felt, um, you know, playing in his natural position. So I thought, you know, those are kind of amazing, you know, attacking um, options that we have to partner Lukaku. But I still think that the Mount-Lukaku um, link-up will be the most important for the season if we want Lukaku to get um, close to that 20-goal mark.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. And I think hopefully we get to see that as well. Um, like we've said, there's some important games coming up. So fingers crossed we can, we can see that from Lukaku. But let's talk about Antonio Rudiger, who at the moment is kind of sitting in limbo by the sounds of things. He's um, obviously clearly happy to stay at Chelsea for the right amount of money on his new contract that's currently sort of pending but there is now interest from Bayern Munich, which has always kind of been there anyway. Um, obviously the, the German link is there, but um, he's honoured by Bayern Munich's interest, but he's happy to state Chelsea according to reports. Um, how do you think this is going to play
1: out? It's kind of annoyed, slightly annoying me now that he's flirting with these other clubs. And I do think, as I said in a previous episode, if it come, come January, if he still hasn't signed that contract, I'm kind of thinking, you know, you're playing at Chelsea for the next five months, but are you really committed to the club if you still haven't signed the contract? And um, I do think this is a new trend now with footballers. We're seeing, we, we, we're seeing it a bit more Mbappe at the moment. It's almost letting their contract run out of the club mm. in the hope of maybe getting more money, you know, in terms of wages at their new club because they're not paying, um, you know, a big transfer fee that maybe they can allow to pay more wages and also a higher agent fee. So I think uh, maybe that's what Rudiger's agent is trying to do with him. You know, tell him, if you run down your contract at Chelsea, you can get more money at another club and I can get more money as an agent as well. But um, I still think he's, he is committed to Chelsea. I don't see why he'd want to go elsewhere than Chelsea at the moment. He's playing under a German manager. He's got German teammates. He's, you know, probably one of our best players at the moment. He's really reliable. And we do need him at the end of the day. You know, we lost to Mori, um, you know, in the, in the summer. And I think Rudiger... There was probably a reason why we lost to Mori based on his form and the same with Christensen, Silva and even Chalaba in pre-season. So um, I do think we need to sign him down to a new contract. I don't think we should be paying him anywhere near what he's buying. I think we're saying 400000 Yeah Something ridiculous like that, which is probably they can afford to pay that simply because um, they're not paying a fee for him from Chelsea, maybe if they, they're they getting him on free. But um, if he wants 200000 I know that's a lot of money for a centre-back, but you know, if you get in front of a two or three year contract on that money, then I say do it. But um, I'm just kind of a bit fed up of seeing all these articles and rumors of him flirting with these other clubs. I'm seeing Madrid one day, I'm seeing Munich the next. There's always been that interest from PSG and of course even admitted that when he was manager of PSG, he said that he wanted to sign Rudiger. So I still think it's a bit of interest from PSG that's still there as well. But um, but no, if it comes come January, if he still hasn't signed a new contract, that's what I'm starting to think. You know, maybe he's not as committed to Chelsea as I thought
0: yeah and I think it's going to be it's going to be um yeah it's going to be sort of interesting because I think at the you know obviously if we if we can keep him, you know he he's been probably the best center back we've had so far this season, um in term maybe in line with Thiago Silva, who i think is is obviously well experienced world class he's just on the other side of his football in years, so I think keeping Antonio Ridriguez is key. I think paying him four hundred thousand. I think Lukaku's on three hundred and twenty-five, but he's meant to be getting goals. I expect that from a striker, a centre back. Yeah, it just it just seems a lot of money four hundred thousand a week. And I would say that about any player, whether it was Mason Mount or whoever. I just I just think you know four hundred thousand pounds is a, a lot of money a week. And I, I personally don't see us even entertaining that kind of offer from, um, Rudiger. I think we've offered 135, maybe increasing that up to 200,000 as a, as a sort of, you know, top level, but it'd be a shame to lose him. It's it's a, it's a weird one because I I don't want to lose him, but I wouldn't want to see him, you know, do a, um, an Abamiank, I suppose. And, um, you know, sort of go quiet. Mm. You, know, you signed a deal went quiet stopped scoring the money was there he wasn't really you know you lose interest I think you know players lose interest when they bring in those, um, those big contracts but got a comment down there double his wages 255000 yeah maybe but I think at the same time as well um, you know again I don't want to give him two hundred and fifty grand a week and then he, he downs tools and he starts being sloppy we've seen it with really good before he's not always been the really good that we're seeing today or you know in football he he's not always been the best centre-back and he has had mm. a lot of, you know, he's prone to mistakes which he seems to have ironed out but, you know, it's a lot of money so <laughs> I think if he's committed to Chelsea, 200 grand is a, you know, is a reason be. Yeah. it's a lot of money a week. You know, I'm sure anyone who's played football before it, at any level, you know, 200 grand is a lot of money so I just think if he wants 400 grand, Bayern Munich will pay that by the looks of it, let him go it's probably better for us. But we can get this resolved as soon as possible. don't really want this going into, you know, the beyond January and that sort of stage where, you know, if we are trying to win a Premier League, you know, you want all your players focused on actually trying to win the league rather than trying to hear all the rumours in the changing room about Rudiger's contract as well. But it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Yeah,
1: The one thing that I think will, is if we offer him that kind of money, what's to say a player like Christensen, another centre-back who's playing brilliantly, says, I deserve higher money as well if Rudiger's getting that much and I'm putting you know equal performances as him I would deserve that much or even a you know a midfielder who's a similar age to a Rudiger's maybe a Jorginho you know saying like you know I'm in line to win the Ballon d'Or why can't I be paid you know over 200,000 so it starts to kind of have that chain effect or snowball effect where you're thinking you know if you offer one player that much next week, you know a couple of other players will want you know to be you know matched on Rudiger's wages I think this is all stems from the, the fact we tried to sign Kounde and we offered him I think it was 180 or 200,000. So that's another kind of thing we need to consider if it doesn't have that effect on, you know, other players contracts that maybe aren't even don't really deserve that type of money just yet at least. So we need to consider yeah. that as well.
0: Yeah. And I agree. With the, I do agree with the comment down there. Mm. Um, you know, he is probably one of the best defenders, not just in Europe, but I think in the world for me, I think he's, he's, he's that good. Um, Replacing him would cost more, potentially not, because I think when we, you know, yes, in a transfer fee it will, but I think in terms of Kunde, who like you just mentioned, you know, we were going to get him, he wasn't going to cost us, you know, I think it was one hundred and eighty thousand. I think we were going to pay him a week in wages, which is twenty grand less than what I think Rudiger's asking for at the moment. So, you know, I I, I do agree. um Yeah, you know, costs around thirty million, four or five years for a defender. um replacing him will cost us double, even triple. But sometimes if the player doesn't want to be at the club as well, you've got, you know, that is just the price you pay. You know, if the, if the player wants to move on and go to another club, I think it's just the price you pay as a a club. You know, you you lose a, a player because they don't want to be there. You can't keep him, you know, the deal's not going to be done if he doesn't want to, if he doesn't want to sign it. So we either sell him or we, we let him go for free as well. So it's a lot, it's a lot to take in. Um, you know, it's a lot to take in. Again, I agree, you know, silver will be gone, but I'm confident we've got Christensen still there. You know, we've still got um, Chalabar. And I'm sure if we do lose um, Antonio Rudiger, we'll definitely replace him with someone with the, the same sort of um, capabilities as him as well. I think we'll we'll probably go back in for Kunde as well and maybe even strengthen again. If, again, if we lose Silver, which is looking very likely, we'll end up bringing in more centre-backs as well.
1: Not offer 80 million for tomori to buy him back as well. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a Chelsea
0: way of doing things, isn't yeah. it? So um yeah, I think I think um it's gonna be interesting. I think we'll we'll definitely see um how that one pans out as well. But another good bit of news, I suppose, if you're a Chelsea fan, Roman returns. Roman Abramovich is back in London um officially. Not sure for how long. I think he's used an Israeli um, loophole. So he's, he's got Israeli citizenship, which has allowed him to come back into the country, into the UK for the first time since 2018. Um, the the visit is purposely, a think, for visiting family, but Chelsea is also his family. So does that mean that he's able to come to a few games? Um, well, what's your thoughts? If, if you can see Roman back at Stamford Bridge.
1: It just had a little extra boost among the fans because we do miss him. I feel like he's quite a you know, a character when he goes to Stamford Bridge, you know, he's an owner, but above all, he's a fan of the club, you know? So um, we want to see him, you know, in his usual box um, above in the West Stand, And, um, you know, even like I go to the game, so I can't really spot him. My eyesight's not that good maybe, but even just seeing pictures or videos of him celebrating goals post-game is, is quite special. I don't think we get that with any other owner of a club. So it um, mm-hmm. would be nice to have him back. And I think as well as the players, I think we don't really see the start of Roman, but I think he is quite influential in the dressing room you know, he travels to Porto. He was there in Munich with his family. We do want him, you know, to to be there supporting the club, chatting to the players, Club Clapton, Aspilicueta. I'm sure he's got a good relationship now with Abramovic. So um, having him at Stanford Bridge, I think, um, for a game in October, if he stays that long and if he's able to get to the bridge, would be special. I definitely would be for the players, for the fans and just for the club in general.
0: Yeah, I think even just visiting Cobham. I think that would just mm, be yeah. being able to go there and speak to some of the players that he's potentially never really met. Um, apart from maybe you know Porto after the, the Champions League final, but just seeing him on a day-to-day basis, working on the training ground, or having that closer relationship, maybe with Thomas Tuchel as well, which is mm. um, something that you know as Chelsea fans we haven't really seen our own be, been able to do since 2018 because of those restrictions. But it's going to be uh, uh, from what I've been reading, I think it's going to be difficult to get him to a game because again he's not he's not he's not allowed around any of his assets. Obviously Chelsea being one of his major assets in terms of owning the club. So if you can find a loophole to get back into the United Kingdom, I'm sure you can find a loophole <laughs> in getting into Stamford Bridge, which will be, will you know, be brilliant for the fans, like you say, um, just knowing that he's there as well might even boost some of the players, um, you know, just maybe to give them another, you know, 10%, you know, work a bit harder, just knowing that he's there as well. So there's a lot, lot, you know, to take in. And I think it's, it's just good to have your owner in the club, you know, in in the stadium as well and around the club, like you said. So it's going to be interesting. I think he's here um, for a couple of months. I think Um, obviously he hasn't got a, like a, got got to go back anytime soon so it'd be interesting to see if we can maybe get him a disguise and get him into stanford bridge (laughs) or something but um it's going to be interesting i just thought we'd talk about that briefly so it's good to see roman back in london anyway whether that's at stanford bridge we'll we'll soon find out i think in a couple of days um next game being brentford so um hopefully he might get get a little secret backdoor um into i was gonna say griffin park it's not griffin park anymore is it brent
1: brentford brentford community stadium i think it's gonna
0: show my age a bit there but um but yeah let's hope roman gets into some of the games good to see him back in london but let's get on to the fun stuff let's talk about some memorable chelsea kits i had to go all the way back to 93 i think
1: Okay, I haven't gone that far back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had to go back to ninety three, and the only reason is because that I remember, vividly. Remember ninety three being the reason um, I fell in love with Chelsea was because at the time I had a Commodore sixty four. You probably don't know, probably don't know what a Commodore sixty four is. <laughs> it was a computer. It was an old computer console, but it was sponsored. The sponsor was Chelsea, so basically Commodore sponsored Chelsea, so the liking was from there. Um, one of the reasons, but um, I'm going to let you go first. I'm going to let you go first with, um, I've got top three, but I'm going to give you some honourable shout out moments as well um, for some of your kits. So favourite Chelsea kits?
1: Let's I mean, it's quite, it's quite easy to go back to the first Chelsea kit you owned, which was not actually, I look back at a picture of it now, it's not actually that nice, <laughs> but it was the the grey um Cudicini Um, I think 2003-2004 goalkeeper kit and it had like a weird pattern on the back with Fly Emirates as the sponsor and we still had the old um, Chelsea um, badge at the time with CFC and the the kind of lion around it not that nice of a kit but you know it's quite memorable to me but I still want to say it's one of my favourites and I think it's quite when I say favourite kits I want to kind of consider two things I want to consider the memories we created wearing that kit but also how aesthetically you know nice it is to look at and you Mm -hmm. know to look at the players wear it so taking that in mind, I'm, there's two kits that I really loved. I'm a sucker for anything with a bit of gold on it. So um, the Chelsea, um, the Umbro one, we won our second Premier League title in 2005-2006. So we still had, um, I think we had Samsung Mobile at the time and it had a bit of a gold yeah, yeah. trim. I think the 100th anniversary of the club, something like that. So that was a um, really nice kit. And obviously, um, I think Joe Cole scoring against Man United, you know, a nice girl wearing it. I've got it downstairs, actually, with Frank Lampard, number eight on the back. Um, really nice kit. So one of my favorites. And then the second one with the gold again, the 2012-2013 one, which we won the Europa League in, um, in Amsterdam wearing it. It was just such a nice kit to look at. You know, very clean, very simple. But, you know, second, you know, we just won the Champions League. We felt like we, we deserved to wear some gold on our, on our kit. Yeah. And then the third one, I think it's really grown on me. And it's the one I'm wearing now, actually. It's not so much. I remember when we first released it. I'm like, that looks like a broken television. It's not nice. <laughs> but it's the 2000, and for those who are listening to this, the 2016, 17 away kit. So it's got a bit of like fluorescent yellow and kind of like grey. You know, almost looks like broken TV, like stripes across it. Yeah. And the reason it kind of grew on me is just the matches we played. And I remember under that first Conte season we were just brilliant. You know, obviously I think a couple of Leicester away games that we won in it. Everton away, we won that really comfortably over Pedro Rocket. I remember. Obviously, the one game that just stands out is West Brom away when we won the league yeah, with yeah. the Batshuayi you know, scoring in the quite late on in the game, wearing it. And then yeah. obviously seeing all the players celebrate in the dressing room. We had, we had Costa, Hazard, Fabregas. Was that the game? At the time. Oh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It must have been a special. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember it's like even, I think West Brom fans were selling their tickets to Chelsea fans you know, for ridiculous prices. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think those are my top three. I, mean, I want to say from the last. 20 years maybe because um, I could go further back and have some, you know, auto glass, you know, kits yeah, that right. really stand out. But um, I think so. I'm sure you're going to bring up some, some ones from the 90s. I've got, uh, some,
0: in, I've got some in the vault, but I'm just going to yeah. go back to the comments here. So 2003, 2005 kit. Classic. That was a brilliant kit. Really was. Um, Last season's kit was awesome as well. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you mean the home kit, but yeah. um, Yeah, I'm going to, I'm, yeah, I'll give you. I'll give you that one. It grew on me. It name, grew on me. Yeah, it, it grew on me. Did. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we've got oh three, oh five home kit as number one away last season, and Sarri's yellow kit being number three It's a good shout. It's a good shout. Mm. Um. Like I said, ninety two, ninety three. I think that was the, um. Yeah, it was sort of the only. The only weird thing about it was the collar was really sort of like a polo collar, mm. but it was um. It had white. Blue, blue stripes and red stripes, and I've, I really hate Chelsea kits with with red on. I know this is kind mm. of orange, so I'll, I can get away with that. But yeah, red with Chelsea. Yeah, I'm Not. I'd have not to agree. Fine. I'd have to agree. So, um, my my second one was there was a um, I'm taking it back now. There was a ninety four gray kit, mm. um, gray orange. Was it gray and orange?
1: Yeah,
0: which, which went really well. Kind of reminds me of uh, sort of like the. Um, Rude Hullick kind of days, Vianney mm. days, those kind of days then, um, that was a really different, I, I like different kits. Um, which is why I agree with you that the kit you've got on now has grown mm. on me as well. Um, and like you mentioned, the, the, the sort of Batchway game, that West Brom game, it does take you back to that Diego Costa kind of days as well, doesn't it? So, um, my, my favorite, one of my favorite old kits though, was the, I think it was 97 FA Cup final. um, yeah. I'd have to, I'd have to get a picture of it for you, but it's, um, it was, we were sponsored by calls at the time and, um, yeah. it was just a, a really sort of different kit. Um, sort of had the Umbro button, two, I think two buttons, a nice collar with like sort of blue, white, yellow, big crest as well. The old sort of crest on there as well. Again, reminds me of sort of, um, you know, rude, hold those kind of days as well that's my childhood. So I think that those kind of ones remind me of that. Um, we had a really good auto glass one. I think it was 1999. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 1999 auto glass was, was, was a very good kit. I think that was sort of like Gus Poirier days. Then I think, um, yeah, I think we had the Gus, Gus Poirier sort of lasso those kind of days. Mm. um, you, you did take some of my, my faves actually 2005 was my favorite one. Yeah. That was my favorite one. Um, the 2012, 2013, I yeah. think that's the Europa League one, wasn't it? The, yeah. the, the, all gold Samsung gold. That was probably my favorite kit. Actually. Um, I don't actually wear it. I just, I can't wear that one. That's going to be framed. Um, but my, my favorite one actually is the one that I've got on now. Mm. Um, you know, I love this one. I think it's just different. We very rarely get like all black um, kits, which I think, and for any, anyone who's not um, watching, I forgot my words. And anyone who's not watching and they're listening, it's the is it, it's last season, two thousand nineteen twenty. That season, that season, that felt
1: season. like it lasted an eternity because yeah, of COVID, yeah. But,
0: That's what I was trying to think when it was, but yeah, um, the COVID season. Um, so yeah, it's an all black one, and it's it's got like the original wrong side. It's got the original sort of Nike logo. So it's got, that's a very old school Nike logo on there, which is what I like. The only thing I don't like about our kits at the moment is the side sponsors. I hate side Mm. sponsors on kits. I hate them. It's very sort of Americanized and Mm. I hate that. Um, Could be worse, could be sponsors on the back, which is even worse as well. Um, But then my kits, I I do, I do think we've, now we've gone back to sort of the Nike kits. I prefer the quality of them. I think when we had, um, I remember ha- having an, a, a, um, I think it was an Adidas kit, I think. And I, I played football in it and so it, it was brand new as well. And, um, someone went to tackle me and the whole shirt just came apart, like literally just ripped. So they were never a good quality anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I was very, I was disappointed
1: brand new, brand new kit as well. You um, can't put them in a tumble dryer either. I feel if not the the whole yeah, like printing comes printing, away. Just- Comes like off and it looks like a desert or something afterwards, yeah, like yeah. sand desert, it's horrible. I've but I've made um, a mistake before, I think you yeah. made it
0: with this one as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, those are my kits. When, yeah, definitely Gus Poye, uh, comment there, Gus Poye, the so legends. I'd have to agree. Um, I think one of the kits I've mentioned reminds me of Iron Robin, the 2005 Four or five, kit. Yeah. yeah, that kit just reminds me of Iron Robin and Frank Lampard in his prime as well. You've got to think about Mm. Lampard was in his prime then. So, um,
1: yeah. Mourinho days, the good Mourinho Mourinho days. Yeah.
0: yeah, The sort of Mourinho where he was charismatic and funny and, um, you know, all those things that we just wanted in a manager, he was doing that for us. So Mm. those are my sort of favorite kits, but this is, this is probably the overall favorite one, but the 2005 gold kit is probably my, yeah, memorable kit as well. Yeah,
1: we we yeah. each picked an away one that I think Batchuay has created a good memory for us And I think West Brom away for me and Ajax, um, Ajax away in that in that black and orange yeah. one for you. Yeah, but definitely. um, but yeah, and it's another, another thing about that two thousand and five, two thousand and six kit, I just remember being quite young and watching the Chelsea parade and all of the players were kind of you know still wearing. I think it's, we just won the Premier League in two thousand and six. Yeah, yeah, and it all came down the Fulham Road, and you know it was the season we were wearing those kits, so that's another happy memory. And I felt like we, you know, as I said, we deserve every time we wear gold, we have a bit of gold in our kits. It's the season after we won a big trophy, so I feel like yeah. there's an extra bit of element of you know making it a bit more special. So that's another um, shout out as well.
0: There's a surprise that neither of us have chosen this year's kit um <laughs> this is home the, the away one's not too bad actually i think the away ones are fine
1: we need um, to wear it fast i feel to make a, yeah that's a good one point definitely we, we it, haven't
0: worked but... no we haven't we, haven't, we, haven't, we haven't, i don't think
1: i'm thinking as well of the fixtures we have in october maybe Mal- malmo away i think is the one i think we might wear an away kit yeah but i that's don't me. know maybe norwich we might wear that dark one or potentially even brentford we might wear the dark one as well i think it's just a question of You know, whoever's in charge of this will look at the fixtures and think this kit needs to be worn at least four times this season.
0: Yeah,
1: even if we, I think, like Newcastle last season, we could have worn our blue kit, but we wore that pink and you know pink and blue one. So it completely depends sometimes, and you know if we're allowed, if we're able to wear an away one, we'll we'll wear an away one, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, I I I do like this season's one. It it has grown on me a lot. I think when we first all seen it and the, the promo video for it was a bit bit crazy but i think it has it definitely grew on me and i think obviously winning the champions league and getting the sort of champions on europe from the back i just had to get that because i think in a couple of years i can frame that one as well and just have it there um but yeah we haven't really it's not kits but i do love the training gear as mm. well i think the training gear is definitely um which i still haven't got so i'm ashamed that i'm even bringing this up um i need to get the sort of um the turquoise Your, sort of yeah you know, champions league one. ones yeah. oh i've got to get that one because that's. That's um, I don't know if it's on the website actually. I, I think that's why I haven't got it because I'm sure I was trying to find it on the website. I can't find it. So, um, yeah, there we go. Turbo Timo with the lightning at the side of the kit. I mm. I like it. I do like it. I do like it. Um, I I I get advise anyone who's listening to get the um the the match day. Is it the match day one you can get, yeah. which is the the vapor, vapor or the vapor. The,
1: the, 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 vapor, the vapor fits always a lot better than the, yeah, yeah. the actual replica one but you have to pay i yeah. think 20 30 quid more but yeah, the fitting is better it. and around the sleeves it's usually a lot tighter which is better you know better fit yeah, yeah. but um mm-hmm. like I got the tiago silver um home one from last season as a vapor and the fit is perfect absolutely i made perfect. the mistake
0: of getting the uh the cheaper version on the home mm. kit and it's it's very thin as well the mm. material's not the best on it so you can it's almost see through <laughs> so it's um <laughs> Yeah, if you if you're a bit like me and get frustrated watching Chelsea, it's probably not the best thing to do. taking your shirt off, but um, but yeah, it's um, you know, we've had some brilliant kits over the years. We've had some memorable moments in the kits as well. But um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a good couple of days. I think just to sort of reflect on on our win against Southampton. Hopefully, I think we haven't mentioned, but I think Reece James has gone
1: to um the the England squad. He's He's been pulled out now, hasn't he? He's okay. they, uh, They've replaced it's him with Ben Chilwell. No, because he was still training in a swimming pool and wasn't you know, training on the on the pitch. So they've replaced him with Ben Chilwell and former blue Tammy Abraham's now in as well, which is yeah. well-deserved, I feel. So they deserve it, both of them.
0: I tell you what, it would be brilliant if we had Tammy Abraham and uh, Lekaku up front.
1: It would be, That'd be a nice partnership, I It think. would actually
0: work. It would actually yeah. work, I think. Um, it's a shame. But yeah, it's good but, to see obviously Tammy's in the, in the squad as well.
1: Yeah, I think we'll cover that on a future episode, players that we've regretted that have yeah. left Chelsea, I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely.
0: But as always, guys, we've come to the end. So, um, yeah, if you're listening or watching, I should say, you can obviously see on the screen at the bottom, our social accounts are there. But for those on Apple or Spotify, if you're listening on the podcast, it's at from the shed end on Twitter. And on Instagram, it's at from the shed end with underscores between each of the words. And again, you can just search for us on YouTube from the shed end. We should come up. Subscribe to us, please. And just give us some comments, some likes. If you've got better kits than we haven't discussed, let us know. There's been loads of kits that we haven't mentioned as well. Um, Give us your thoughts on Roman returning. Rudiger's contract as well. Would you pay him 400000 a week? It's a lot of money. Is he worth the money? Let us know. And we'll be back for the Brentford preview as well, which is um I think it's Saturday kickoff, isn't it? I think. Saturday in two weeks, yeah. Yeah. So we'll be back for the Brentford one. We'll um we'll definitely be discuss- discussing the, the plays that we let go. Um and we 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 now regret. There's definitely a few that I can think <laughs> more, of. More my head. than a few,
1: more than a yeah. few, I think.
0: <laughs> so um yeah, we'll definitely be covering that on the next episode as well. But for everyone who's been listening or been tuned in. Thanks for listening. This has been episode twenty eight of from the Shed End podcast with myself T and Theo. Thanks for thanks for joining us.